Hello and welcome to the 22nd of August edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with kind permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team for this week's edition comprises Duncan Wynne as recording engineer, Duncan Wynne on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal, Phil Lee, Hello. Jane Fairs, and myself, Pippa Curtis. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include a list of telephone numbers, what's on, headline stories, general news stories, some sport, thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and the birthdays. And if we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the birthday file. With regard to the obituaries, you will now now find they come at the end of the recording. If you have any comments or feedback or problems, our telephone number is 01905 767 766. Please be prepared for an answer phone to take your call. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Listeners are kindly reminded to return memory sticks promptly to facilitate a smooth operation and best use of resources. As you probably know, you'll only receive two weeks of recordings now. If neither of these are returned, you won't receive any further recordings. But if you're unwell or have a problem, please just ring us and leave a message. All our recordings are now available on podcast via the Worcester Talking News website. And don't forget, we have a wonderful library of books which are accessible to all our users. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. So, let's start this week with the important telephone numbers which Jane is going to read out for us. They are Police Non-Emergency 101... Crime Stoppers, 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub for Council Matters, 01905 765 765. Worcester Live, which has details of what's on at the Swan Theatre, Huntingdon Hall and Henry Sandon Hall, 01905 611 427. Malvern Theatres, 01684-892277. Samaritans, now a free phone number, 116123. Here at Colin Chance House, 01905-767-766. Thank you, Jane. And... uh With August almost wrapped up, I thought I'd give you advance notice of some of the events that are taking place locally here in Worcester in the next month. So Worcester Music Festival is coming uh, to Worcester City. This is a metropolitan festival supporting emerging artists and raising money for charity. It returns for the 11th consecutive year from Friday September the 13th to Monday the 15th. Actually, that should be the 16th, shouldn't it? 
The festival takes place in more than 20 venues across the city centre, hosting about 250 bands over the three days, as well as a number of music-related workshops. For more information, telephone 07804 819 818 or go on the web and that's www.worcestermusicfestival.co.uk and that's all one word, Worcester Music Festival, all lowercase. If contemporary music's not your thing, well, step back in time instead by visiting the County Museum at Hartlebury Castle. As part of the Heritage Open Day scheme, it's offering free entry on Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th of September from 11 11 o'clock till 4pm. Other participants in the Heritage Open Day scheme include the Guildhall and the Commandery. And in case you're not familiar with the uh, wording of the Heritage Open Day Scheme. This is actually a nationwide um, uh, thing, I can't come up with the right word, where they encourage um, places to open for free and allow people access to uh, National Trust sites um, and other historical places of interest. And it runs throughout England from the 13th, I think, to the 20th of September. A week before this, so that's Saturday the 7th of September, the world-renowned choir The Sixteen are performing a concert at Tewkesbury Abbey. It's described as a choral pilgrimage spanning six centuries and celebrates the group's 40th anniversary. For details, access the website the16.com slash events. That will give you details of timings as well. And finally, just three things to bring to your notice that will be taking place at the Swan Theatre in Worcester. And the first one is on the the 24th of September. Um, This is Melodic Mirth with Green Matthews. And they're a couple of people who have got together and they specialise in balladeers or basically telling stories through songs. And they will be performing, it doesn't give a time actually, it just says for tickets, contact the box office on 01905 611 427. And the other two bands are tribute bands actually. One is um, a tribute band called Oye, I think, O-Y-E Santana. And uh, funnily enough, they'll be tributing anything that was written by the band Santana. They appear on the 27th of September, that's Friday. And the very next night, you can have Detroit Magic. And that show aims to recreate the magic that launched stars like Diana Ross and The Temptations, Four Seasons, etc. So if any of those three things take your fancy, get in touch with the box office at Swan on 01905 621 Right, on to what's really important. That's headlines of the week, which Catherine will read out for us and she will then follow on with the first headline story. Over to you. Thanks Pippa. Uh, These are the headlines across the week. Friday August the 16th, Just Capital students across South Worcestershire celebrate their A-level success. Saturday August the 17th, TV show probes case of missing Matthew. Monday August the 19th, more drug needles found on our streets. Tuesday, August the 20th, One Punch Thug banned from City. Wednesday, August the 21st, Drug-related deaths hit an all-time high. 
and Thursday, August the 22nd, £61,500 extra to help cities rough sleepers. So here is the story from last Friday. Just capital, students across South Worcestershire celebrate their A-level successes. Youngsters in Worcestershire have been celebrating after picking up their A-level results. RGS Worcester students achieved the best A-star results at the school for five years. With almost 40% of all grades at the top end, A-star or A, the A-star to C-pass rate was 88.5%. John Pitt, head teacher, said, We're delighted that our upper sixth students have achieved such excellent results under the new A-level system. They have excelled in the sixth form and will go on to achieve great things. At Worcester Sixth Form College, 76.1% of the 1,230 students achieved grades A star to C. Principal Ed Senior said, I'm immensely proud of what our students have achieved this year. Their excellent results in both A-level and applied subjects reflect their hard work, commitment and, most of all, ability. At King's School, 40% of, of pupils achieved grades A star to A. The overall pass rate was 87% of results graded A star to C. Acting head teacher John Ricketts said, Following the particularly sad news at the start of the week, it's wonderful to share with the students their fantastic news. This impressive set of results is a real credit to the sixth formers and is a result of their dedication and hard work. A total of 48% of students from Droitwich Spa High School received an A star A or B grade. This is 3% higher than in 2018. The A star to E pass rate at Christopher Whitehead Language College has risen to 98%. Neither school provided figures for A star to C pass rate. Matt Mobley, head of sixth form, said... Our results reflect the hard work and dedication of our students and staff. Tudor Grange Academy, Worcester, did not provide any figures showing how their students had performed. Nationally, the number of students achieving an A grade or higher has fallen to the lowest for more than a decade, figures show. In total, 25.5% of UK entries were awarded an A or A-star grade this summer, the lowest proportion since 2007, when it was 25.3%. A-star grades were introduced in 2010. Before this, the highest result was an A. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, We're on to Saturday's headline now, which you may remember was TV show probes case of missing Matthew. The story of a man who went missing near Worcester is to feature in an ITV documentary next week. Matthew Bone, who was from Portsmouth and was studying for a PhD in environmental science, went missing from his home where he lived with his family on March the 4th, 2018. In the days that follow, he travelled more than 140 miles north to the village of Callow End. There is no evidence to suggest whether or not he died or what happened to him after being seen in Callow End, and his family is using the episode of ITV's Long Lost Families, which airs at 9pm on Monday, to ask questions about his disappearance. His father, Mike, said, Did he want to disappear? Has he taken time out? Has he been kidnapped? We want to know what's happened. At the time of his disappearance, 26-year-old Matt had moved back home to work on his thesis and was struggling with a workload. 
His mother Karen said, We explained to him that if he didn't want to continue, that was fine. We would support him in whatever he wanted to do. He was determined he was going to get through it somehow. As part of the documentary, host Nicky Campbell visits Detective Inspector Dave Knight from West Mercia Police to find out more about the investigation. D.I. Knight said, There is every possibility that Matt is still alive. There has not been any indication whatsoever that Matt is intent on taking his own life. The documentary claims that D.I. Knight believes Matt may be still out there somewhere, living under the radar of the authorities. He also told the Worcester News that there is currently no update on the search. In March this year, West Mercia Police renewed their appeal to try and find Matthew Bone. At the time, Matt's sister Katie told the Worcester News, We're glad the appeal has been renewed and we hope that the fresh appeal can jog the memories of people of Worcester and Malvern who may have seen him. It is reassuring that the search is still ongoing, as it has been really difficult for us as a family being so far away from where he went missing. Anyone who sees Matthew, or has any information about his whereabouts, is asked to call West Mercia Police on 101, quoting incident number 410S of March the 11th, or confidentially call the Missing People Charity on 116 and now it's Monday, August the 19th. More drug needles found on our streets. Concerns are being raised that more needles are being found on Worcester streets in recent days. And the chief executive of a city homeless hostel has said it is an, the inescapable conse- consequences of more drugs coming in through county lines where inner city drug dealers target new markets. Just this week, a Worcester News reader found a needle left overnight outside Debenhams and sent us a picture. It really is dangerous, the reader said. It's happening more and more and it's getting worse. I was going to work and found this needle on the floor. It's disgusting. A dog could step on it. A child could pick it up. The council workers are quick to clean them, but they shouldn't have to. Readers have expressed their concerns about an apparent rise in needles being left on the streets, telling us in recent weeks they have seen them outside the railway stations and in the city centre, including outside Costa and the toilets in Angel Street. Sarah Bates said there was a used needle outside the View Cinema on Thursday. Kayleigh Henney said it's when they're being left everywhere outside shops, toilets, phone boxes benches, parks. It's horrible when you have children. It needs to be sorted. Kerry Moore said more information needs to be put out there about needle exchange so they don't need to be left on the streets. Jane Brooks said they don't need to be left on the streets. It's irresponsible idiots who dump them there. I can only assume addicts know the facilities for safety but choose to ignore them. In June, the paper reported on used syringes being found near to the children's play area in Cripplegate Park. Jonathan Sutton, chief executive of St Paul's Hostel in Tallow Hill, said, It's difficult not to draw the conclusion that cuts to services have a consequence that spills out to the streets and leads to more needles. St Paul's has seen Swanswell are working really hard and the cops are doing everything they can about county lines. It's not a case of services failing. They just need more money. People can't get the help they need. 
A Worcester City Council spokesman said the council's policy is to remove drugs paraphernalia within 12 hours, sorry, 24 hours of notification. If you find a needle or syringe in a public place, please contact the City Council as soon as possible by calling 01905 722 233 or report it at worcester.gov.uk report hazardous waste. West Mercia Police was unavailable for comment. And the headline for Tuesday, August the 20th One Punch Thug Banned from City. A thug has been banned from Worcester after he knocked a man out with one punch, laughed at him and walked off very pleased with himself and then falsely accused his victim of racial abuse to try to avoid a tougher punishment. Mahbub Hussain can be seen on CCTV footage swinging a right hook at the victim outside Sharkey's in Angel Street, Worcester. The victim had his hands in his pockets at the time of the attack. Hussein, 27, admitted assault causing actual bodily harm when he was sentenced at Worcester Crown Court yesterday. The blow knocked Ben Sanders into the road, where he hit the back of his head. Hussein can later be seen reenacting the punch in front of friends. The defendant claimed he had been the victim of racist taunts, but this derogatory account was not accepted by the Crown and ultimately withdrawn. Mr Sanders needed seven stitches to his split lip. The back of his head also had to be glued after the attack on November the 17th last year. Amanda Amara, prosecuting, said Mr Sanders was outside the fast food restaurant closing time. The next thing he recalls is waking up inside Sharkey's, surrounded by police and three people he knew. He said he was dazed and didn't really know what had happened, she said. Hussein of Somerville Road, Birmingham, gave a no-comment interview to police. He has convictions for burglary, resisting a police officer, possessions of co- uh, possession of cocaine, causing serious injury by dangerous driving, drink driving, taking a vehicle without the owner's consent, and driving while disqualified. Jason Aris for Hussein said... Upon showing him the footage, it was very clear he was uncomfortable and embarrassed by his behaviour that particular night. He added, This is a man who has now decided sobriety is the way forward. Recorder Nichols said, This was an absolutely disgraceful episode. For no good reason, you launched a haymaker of a punch at Mr Sanders. He was knocked unconscious. He was unconscious for a significant period of time. The judge said in the aftermath, Hussein showed no remorse. He sentenced Hussein to 12 months in prison, suspended for 18 months. Recorder Nichols ordered him to complete the Resolve accredited programme with 22 group work sessions, 15 rehabilitation activity requirement days, and placed him on an electronically tagged curfew for three months between 8pm and 6am. He imposed a five-year restraining order banned Hussein from Worcester for six months and ordered him to pay £590 compensation and £340 costs. Right. Here's Wednesday, August the 21st. Drug-related deaths hit an all-time high. 
The number of drug-related deaths in the county has hit an all-time high, with new figures showing the number of deaths due to drug misuse has risen by 60% since 2011. An ageing population of heroin users is one of the main factors in the rise in deaths, experts say. A total of 167 people died due to drug poisoning and drug misuse in Worcestershire between 2016 and 2018, an increase of almost 50% on the number of deaths between 2011 and 2013. The most drug-related deaths occurred in Worcester, with a total of 40 recorded between 2016 and 2018. Almost a quarter of all the deaths in Worcestershire drew due to drug poisoning in the last three years, and just over 23% of deaths due to drug misuse occurred in the city. The number of drug-related deaths increased by a massive 142% across Whitshaven, up from 14 between 2011 and 2013 to 34 deaths between 2016 and 2018. Dr Catherine Cobain, Interim Director of Public Health at Worcestershire County Council, said, Sadly, in Worcestershire, as is the case nationally, we have seen an increased number of drug-related deaths. This is due to a number of factors, including an ageing population of heroin users. In line with national strategy, our focus remains to reduce demand, restrict supply, build opportunities for recovery, and limit exposure to harm. To meet these aims, we're working closely with GPs, pharmacists and other primary care services to provide a network of support to provide relevant and localised help to those affected by substance misuse. The latest figures also showed a disparity between the number of male and female deaths, with 111 men dying between 2016 and 2018 compared to 56 women during the same period. The number of men who died of drug-related death doubled in the last three years, from 74 to, it doesn't actually say, but it doubled from 74 between 2011 and 2013. The figures provided by the Office for National Statistics cover deaths involving controlled and non-controlled drugs, as well as prescription and over-the-counter medicine. The figures also include accidents and suicides involving drugs and complications that arise from injecting drugs. The figures for Worcestershire are only provided in three-year periods and not yearly. And today's headline, £61,500 extra to help cities rough sleepers. Extra money has been pledged to help people at risk of homelessness. Help to prevent single people or childless couples who are at risk of homelessness will rise to £301,500 a year, an increase of the said 61500 Worcestershire councils have awarded the contract to support people at risk of homelessness to Caring for Communities and People, that's CCP. The new service will also see the number of emergency shelters for rough sleepers across Worcestershire rise from two to five. The shelters will be based in Worcester, Malvern, Evesham, Kidderminster and Redditch, enabling people to be given help locally. The existing two shelters are in Worcester and Redditch and locations have yet to be agreed for the further three towns. CCP will open the shelters on any night when the temperature is predicted to fall to zero or below, in line with Worcestershire's severe weather emergency protocol. 
The countywide service has been commissioned by district councils across Worcestershire and will be jointly funded and managed by them and Worcestershire County Council. Jonathan Sutton of Worcester Cares, which brings together St Paul's Hostel and Mag's Day Centre, police, businesses, churches, Worcester BID and Worcester City Council, said, This is great news. The investment in these services is much needed. This grant demonstrates that people recognise the need to work together to tackle the problems posed by homelessness. Councillor Lynn Denham, Vice-Chair of Worcester City Council's Communities Committee, said, Prior to awarding this contract, we listened carefully to the views of local people who are or have been homeless, as well as professionals and volunteers who work in the front line to prevent homelessness. This countywide service focuses firmly on early intervention to prevent people from becoming homeless in the first place. It's important to emphasise that Worcestershire councils already fund other services which offer intensive support to existing rough sleepers separate to this contract. A new centre for rough sleepers will open in September at the Salvation Army's base in the Trinity, following a separate award to Worcester of £242,601 from central government's Somewhere Safe to Stay fund. It will provide a New Year round night shelter with support workers on site 24 hours a day working to give rapid and intensive support to help people off the streets and into accommodation. Mag's Day Centre also runs an outreach service supported by the City Council which looks for, engages with and supports rough sleepers across Worcestershire. The new contract with CCP will run from this October to the end of September 2021. It will be governed and managed by a county-wide group of officers. And the next story is City Groper Identified. A jogger who was sexually assaulted by a teenager has thanked Worcester News. I beg your pardon. That's okay. I was only going to say that, um, thank you, Phil. We've finished the headlines and carry on with the ordinary news stories now. Do, Jane, that's just not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) City Groper identified. A jogger who was sexually assaulted by a teenager has thanked Worcester newsreaders after they helped identify her attacker. The woman from Worcester, who cannot be named for legal reasons appealed to find a gang of teenage boys after one of them groped her bottom while she was running round Pitchcroft. The 46-year-old claims the group of boys were riding mountain bikes and cycled beside her as they were shouting, laughing and pointing their fingers at her. She said, I wished he'd punched me in the face rather than do what he did. I would have got over it a lot quicker than this. I remember the way he touched me. It was very deliberate and prolonged. It wasn't a glance. It was more of an up-and-down stroke on my bottom, and the touch felt very sexual. The woman says readers who commented on the article generated such a huge response that it enabled the boy to be identified. She said it was the Worcester News writing the story and using the photographs that helped identify the lad. I'd encourage more people to contact their local newspaper to help keep our community safe. I want to do whatever I can to prevent this from happening again. It was a sick game played by young boys and they will keep playing it until something's done about it. The woman said she's suffered psychologically and she's lost her confidence to go on a run alone since the assault. She added, it's frustrating and I don't think the lads even realise the impact it's had on me. I'm quite a resilient individual usually and I've not been back to Pitchcroft yet. 
Even looking at the gate gives me anxiety and a tight feeling in my stomach. I, she added, I've, I've spoken to a lot of women about this after the assault and it's shocking to hear how many of them have experienced something while out jogging. I hope women come together as a community and look out for one another. My biggest fear is that what comes next if people think it's normal to shout abuse at women while they're out running? There needs to be a stigma against this. It's a devastating experience. My case proves that it can quickly escalate into something more serious. The police are continuing to investigate the attack, which happened on July the 14th, and we'll be speaking to the boy. And the headline for this story is Farm's Wedding Barn Set to Get the Green Light. <coughs> Plans to open an ice cream parlour and cafe as part of a new events building at a city farm look set to be approved. The planned expansion of Manor Farm off Malvern Road includes a new single-storey modern barn building with outdoor seating to be used as a venue for a range of events, including weddings, wakes, markets and workshops. Planners at Worcester City Council have recommended the plan is approved when its planning committee meets on Thursday, August 22nd. Bennett's, who has owned the farm for almost 100 years, also hopes to hire the building out to schools, scouts and other local groups. The rustic T-shaped modern barn building would accommodate around 150 people and would be of a similar height to a temporary marquee currently used for weddings. The expected opening hours of the events building would be 7am to midnight and the ice cream parlour and cafe would open between 9 and 5 the farm sees the expansion as a chance to support other local businesses when it hosts weddings and also intends to source from local breweries and stock its cafe with locally produced goods and products. The plan received mixed responses from neighbours during consultation, with some welcoming the expansion, whilst others raised concerns about noise and light pollution, as well as the increase in traffic. The Environment Agency objected because it opposes development on floodplains. The next item is entitled A New Lease of Life. An historic building in Worcester has been given a new lease of life in a stunning restoration. The old infirmary in Silver Street, which stood derelict and empty for decades, has been redeveloped and turned into luxury accommodation for visitors to the city. The building, originally bought by Isaac Maddox and Dr John Wall in 1745 for £100, was opened as a voluntary hospital on, in, on January the 11th, 1746. The infirmary was so popular they had to re relocate to a new site on the south side of Castle Street, then known as Salt Lane, in 1771. In 2016, the site was purchased by property developer Khalid Hussein, who secured permission from Worcester Council to reconstruct it. The building was being held up by scaffolding and a four-ton chimney had to be reset to prevent the building falling down. Original walls have been preserved behind glass and protected from further deterioration and the initials of patients carved into the wood can be seen on a few of the interior walls. Vaulted ceilings with exposed beams have been restored and the original timber and brick floors have been relayed where possible and the original cast iron range in the kitchen has been turned into a fully functional hob and oven. 
Outside the building is a plaque commemorating two workers who sadly died from cancer while rebuilding the site, Derek Sackall, who was 67, and Rui Fernandez Correa, who was 40. And the next story, ex-Royal Grammar School teacher dies. Tributes have been paid to a former outstanding teacher who died while he was on a volunteering programme in South Africa. RGS Worcester alumni posted on Facebook announcing the death of Mike Ridout, a former geography teacher. Mr Ridout had been spending time volunteering in South Africa where he died on Tuesday, August 13th. The school was informed that Mr Ridout had been cycling on his own when he was hit from behind by a car and suffered severe head injuries. He was taken to hospital and operated upon, but died. Mr Ridout's sister and her husband have flown out to South Africa, where he had been living since March, and from where he was due to return home in December. Mr Ridout was at RGS Worcester from 1978 until he retired in the summer of 2014. He was a member of the senior management team, chairman of the common room for several years, as well as leading athletics and cross-country. Upon retiring, he joined the school's foundation board as a trustee in 2016. The Post said, It is with the greatest of sadness that we must share news of the untimely and tragic death of Mike Ridout. Throughout his 36 years of dedicated service to the pupils and to RGS itself, Mike was one of those popular teachers who inspired respect, admiration and friendship from his colleagues, his pupils and their families. Our thoughts are with everyone who knew Mike, his family and his friends. It is so very sad to lose a member of the RGS community and in such tragic circumstances. We know Mike kept in touch with his former colleagues and a number of former pupils and we will share further information about Mike's funeral when we receive the details. Many people have shown their condolences and commented on the post. Chris Haywood said, Awful. How tragic. He was a fantastic teacher that inspired my love of geography. Always one of my favourite teachers. Very sad. Andy Stevens said, What tragic news. He was an outstanding teacher and a top man. My thoughts and condolences to all his family and friends. Reuben Walker said, Absolute hero. Amazing fun on ski trips and a great teacher who inspired me to study geography at university. Always got the best out of students and had time. The next thing is kebab shop's licence. A kebab shop owner hopes to make his temporary late-night licence permanent in order to maintain healthy competition with other nearby takeaways. Best Kebab House in Angel Street has stiff competition from the likes of Shakey's, although a temporary agreement which allows it to trade until 5am on weekends is due to run out tomorrow. Director Abdul Yurikli said remaining open until the early hours is crucial and will allow him to continue targeting late-night customers in what is a popular strip for post-nightclub eating habits. A public consultation closes on today, which the application could be sent to the City Council's Licensing Committee for a decision. Mr Urekli, 40, took over managing company Best Day Limited in March 2017, according to Companies House, and told Worcester News the venue became Best Kebab around two and a half years ago. The late-night refreshment licence will allow the takeaway to stay open until 4.30am, Sunday to Friday, 
and 5am on Saturdays and serve hot food but not alcohol. As part of the potential new licence, certain objectives will have to be met, which include maintaining good relations with police and having SIA licensed door supervisors between midnight and closing time on Friday and Saturday nights. When door staff are on duty, a record will be kept of their badge numbers, full names and contact details and will be available to police on request. A logbook must also be kept documenting all incidents of crime and disorder, while anyone found with drugs must be removed and police called. CCTV must be in operation at all times, while open for licensable activities, and notices must be displayed reminding customers to use the litter bins provided while door supervisors have to encourage patrons to remain quiet outside the premises. Finally, all staff must undergo safeguarding training in relation to under-18s, and training records will be kept on the premises. Earlier this year, we reported that Angel Street is the worst in the city for crime, including violence and antisocial behaviour, according to the latest police figures, of the 415 crimes reported in Worcester in February, 32 of them took place in Angel Street, which includes pubs and takeaways. This story has the headline, It's Good to Talk, Say Teens. A group raising mental health awareness spoke to city folk about issues in the centre of Worcester this week. The National Citizen Service had a stand in Cathedral Square, where they handed out cake and gave out positive messages such as a smile is the prettiest thing you can wear. The government-led four-week programme National Citizen Service, or NCS, runs every summer for 15 to 17-year-olds, giving them the opportunity to meet new people and get involved with their community. The popular programme attracts many young individuals and develops life skills that they may need in the future. A volunteer explained, it gets me out of the house and gives you something to do with your summer so that you don't waste it. Within the first week, students may partake in outdoor activities such as team bonding exercises, including sports and climbing the Peak District. The second week includes attending a a university to complete a series of workshops relating to independence and money handling skills. The last two weeks consists of picking an issue or charity and raise awareness or money for that chosen cause. A group led by Olivia Morris, a senior mentor for the National Citizens Service, decided to focus upon raising awareness for mental health, as they feel the issue isn't talked about enough in the community. By setting up a mental health awareness stand in Cathedral Square, the group gave away free cakes and positive messages to people who were willing to talk to them for a few moments about mental health and their experiences with it. The team not only developed their own personal skills, but also created a positive and friendly atmosphere to the Cathedral Square, chatting to the public to raise awareness for a good cause. The next story is entitled Taking the Arts Forward. 
The departure of Chris Yeager from Worcester Live, the arts charity he led for 24 years and which is responsible for the city's Swan Theatre and and Huntingdon Hall, is likely to lead to more in-house productions and a closer involvement with local schools. A new team is being built to run the venues under the leadership of the charity's Board of Trustees and a new direction will be pursued in an effort to build self-funding operations. Chairman of the Trustees, Muff Murfin, well known for his involvement with recording studios and radio stations, explained, We're all passionate about the arts and want to take the venues forward with fresh ideas and less reliance on the financial generosity of a relatively small number of supporters. There will be a move towards creating more of our own productions. There's a lot of talent in both Worcester Rep and the Young Rep, and we want to make more of it. We want to make sure we're staging productions people want to see, and we'll also engage with the school curriculum to ensure we're presenting plays that are relevant to the current crop of students. Buying in productions invariably means that a lot of money coming into the box office goes to other people, and we want to reduce that and make the Swan and Huntingdon Hall self-financing. Of course, that doesn't mean we won't buy in at the Swan, but less often. Likewise, Huntingdon Hall will still stage shows by a wide variety of popular acts, but we want to try and make more of what we have on our own doorstep. Herefordshire, for example, is a hotbed of country and western. Looking to the future, and with the aim of running Worcester Live more like a business, after all it does have 25 paid employees, although it relies heavily on the efforts of more than 200 volunteer helpers, the Board of Trustees is looking for more members. Vice Chairman Dawn Oliver, a Worcester solicitor, said, We'd be particularly grateful for anyone with expertise in human resources, social media, PR or financial management. The Swan Theatre in Huntington Hall are Worcester institutions, and although we know that Chris Yeager will be a hard act to follow, we're confident the future for both is bright. Anyone interested in joining the Board of Trustees of Worcester Live should contact Ms Oliver at D-O-L-I-V-E-R, that's Dolliver, at hcrlaw.com. Right. Ambulance service takes over NHS, National Health Service, of course, 111. West Midlands Ambulance Service, WMAS, is to take over the running of the non-emergency NHS 111 service in a first for the country. The plan will see the 111 and 999 services integrated into a single service, and ambulance chiefs say it will provide significant improvements for patient care but have said it will lead to more patients, quote, being provided with care over the phone. NHS 111 is a free number for patients with urgent but not life-threatening symptoms and operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Calls get through to a trained call handler who can provide help. WMAS will take over the running of the service from Care UK in most of the region from November. WMAS Chief Executive Anthony Marsh said, We will initially deliver the current service over the winter period, but will then look to properly integrate the two in 2020. I firmly believe that this will be positive for both sets of staff, for example, providing new opportunities to develop and progress their careers. By integrating 111 and 999, patients can be better directed to the most appropriate care for their needs. Call 999 only for life-threatening conditions. Call 111 if it isn't an immediate emergency or a life-threatening condition. 
Whatever number you ring, the ambulance service will manage your call. Rachel Ellis, Chief Officer for Integrated Urgent and Emergency Care, Sandwell and Mess Birmingham CCG, added, This is truly a first for the country and will lead to real benefits for patients and staff. The new service in development will see fewer patients being sent ambulances and a reduction in the number of patients asked to attend A&E. The new model will support more patients being cared for in the most appropriate place for their needs. And I'll just add on the short article beneath that, which says, 111 Takeover is good news. The public service union Unison has welcomed the news that the West Midland Ambulance Service is taking over 111. The union has said it is good news for patients that when Care UK Limited's contract ends, it will go back to being public-owned, ending four years of privatisation. The union says there will be an increase in the number of staff available to deal with rising demands on the NHS. Unison West Midlands regional organiser Channel Williams said the big winners from return of the 111 service to the public sector will be patients. From November, they'll once again be able to talk with highly trained NHS staff. When NHS services are privatised, the concern is always that costs will be kept down to drive up profits. Unison is pleased that after four years, health bosses have finally realised the 111 service is safer in the NHS family. Crossing Death Probe The investigation into the death of a man who is hit by a train near Worcester will likely not be completed until the end of the year. 72-year-old Geoffrey Foxall was attempting to cross a footpath in foggy conditions when he was killed on February the 6th, investigators have said after the probe was launched by the government's rail accident investigation branch. A spokesman for RAIB said yesterday, This is an ongoing investigation. On average... RAIB investigations take nine to ten months to complete and we publish a report when the investigation has concluded. Coroners opened an inquest on February the 18th. At around 9.55am on the day of the incident, Mr Foxall was crossing the railway lines off Eve Lynch Lane, Tiberton, at number eight footpath and was hit by an approaching train travelling from Nottingham to Cardiff. The train was travelling at 99 miles an hour and the pensioner sustained fatal injuries. Evidence indicates that another train travelling in the opposite direction had passed the crossing shortly before, said RAIB. The spokesman said at the time the member of the public had been waiting at the crossing for the passage of that train. He then started to cross, seemingly unaware that another train was approaching. The weather at the time of the accident was foggy. Our investigation will encompass examination of the measures in place to control the risks associated with the use of this crossing in foggy conditions and consider the relevance of the passing of the two trains in the region of the crossing. Our investigation is independent of any investigation by the railway industry, the British Transport Police or by the industry's regulator, the Office of Rail and Road. We will publish our findings, including any recommendations, to improve safety at the conclusion of our investigation. 
This report will be available on the RAIB website. On February the 6th, a spokesman for British Transport Police said the emergency services were called at 10.04am and the incident was not currently being treated as suspicious and a file will be prepared for the coroner. He confirmed the man was pronounced dead at the scene. National Rail reported that trains were being disrupted between Bromsgrove and Cheltenham Spa. And here's an interesting story. It's 3,000-mile charity row. A group of men are taking part in the world's toughest row as the team braved the elements such as hurricane-strength winds and 50-foot swells. John Marotra, Ewan Bell, Ed Wilson and James Prothero, former RGS pupils, will take on the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge in a bid to raise money for the Marine Conservation Society and the Surfrider Foundation Australia, both actively combating ocean plastic pollution. Mr Prothero from Worcester said, As it stands, more people have been into space than have rowed the Atlantic. The added physical strain of exhaustion, sleep, deprivation and possible hallucination tests the extremes of teamwork and humankind. By undertaking such an enormous challenge, he said, Our aim is to meaningfully support the amazing work our charities are doing and help turn the tide on plastic pollution. He added, Taking part in the Talisker Whiskey Challenge is a unique chance to push our physical and mental endurance to new levels, whilst raising money and carrying out research which will help protect the world's oceans. The team hopes to complete the challenge, which is a 3,000-mile row across the Atlantic Ocean in 40 days or less. The annual race begins on December the 12th, where they will be rowing in pairs with alternating shifts of two hours rowing followed by two hours rest for the entire duration of the 40-day race. So far, the team has managed to attract an incredible range of corporate sponsors, including global brands such as Diageo, The Trade Desk and Fetch, and a range of environmentally focused brands such as eCoffee Cup. They are also welcoming donations of any size to assist them with their mission. For more information, contact the team via sponsor at atlanticambition.com, that's all lowercase, or visit their website at www.atlanticambition.com. Well, good luck to all of them. Okay, so the next story asks the question, is building left to rot? Concerns have been raised over why a building located at a key spot as drivers enter the city has been left to fall into disrepair. The building, once known as the Carpet Factory in London Road, has now been out of use for three and a half years. Developer Peter Stiles was given planning permission three years ago to turn the building into flats. The building on the corner of London Road and Fort Royal Hill was once the home of the pub The Little Sauce Factory and later became Pete's Restaurant. Councillor Jabba Riaz, who represents Cathedral Ward, where the building is located, said, I'm unhappy with the unkempt state of the building, especially as it has reached the extent of trees growing out of the side of the building. I accept the reality of pubs closing down, but would much rather the building be transformed into a pub or restaurant. 
However, transforming the carpet factory into flats would be a far more desirable option than for it to remain empty, as it has been since 2016. Worcester City Council said it was unaware of the developers' plans for the site. A spokesman said planning permission for the flats given in 2016 was an amendment to an earlier application giving permission in 2008. The spokesman said as a two-storey detached block had been built on the site, the plans have been legally commenced. He added, there is no legal requirement for the planning permission once it's commenced to be completed within any set period of time. Mr Stiles had previously outlined similar plans for the demolition of the derelict zigzag nightclub in St John's in order to build flats, but the former nightclub building was later sold on to a third party. Okay, and our next story is from yesterday's paper. It's headed Snapshot of Our City Life. A flash mob Worcester style is due to hit the city's cathedral square midday on Saturday, August 24th. But instead of people creating mayhem, it will take the form of a host of images by photo historian Michael Hallett showing life in Worcester in the 21st century. Printed on sustainable cotton tote bags, the digitally printed photographs are about people, places, fashion and style. They record the family fun of Worcester's shopping experience, eating emporiums and organised summer activities. Mr Hallett said, This is street theatre, showing the theatre of the street. They were all taken on a new iPhone 8 camera, though the majority of cameras in mobile devices would provide similar quality. The images explore the critical questions surrounding identity, lifestyle, excesses and the cult of the individual. Collectively, they convey a strong narrative, showing people predominantly in an urban social landscape. With more than 5 billion people taking images on their mobile phones or tablets, I wanted to produce images for people in the street. I aim to avoid the perceived elitism of pictures on the gallery wall. The philosophy of doing this is relatively simple, though making it happen was something else. Walking around with pictures in a convenient situation sounds easy, but how do you turn that into a reality? Wearing pictures as clothing was a possibility, as long as the images looked acceptable. My initial thought of pictures on a tee or polo shirt gave way for pictures on tote bags, as these would allow for an extended choreography of presentation. Mr Hallett said he chose Cathedral Square for the exhibition come performance because it formed a natural urban amphitheatre, where choreography of the performers interacting with the audience would make it really work. The photo flash mob will be in Cathedral Square, Worcester, between 11.55am and 12.55pm on Saturday, August 24th. And now, parents say they still read bedtime stories to toddlers. A study of parents with toddlers aged 0-5-year-old has revealed that 99% of parents still read to their children with four in five choosing to do so in the evening as part of the bedtime routine. The study from Kiddy Karu Day Nurseries Group also showed that 98% of parents still read from physical books, while only 2% rely on a tablet or other device. The news comes after Ofsted's Chief, Chief Inspector Amanda Spielman raised concerns that the bedtime story is dying out. Jackie Cambridge from Kiddie Karoo said, Reading to little ones, even before they can speak, 
or understand words will help them become familiar with phonetics and sounds of words. The rhythm and rhyme of stories written for young children helps to encourage speech, broadens vocabulary and introducing introduces early literacy skills long before they learn to read themselves. I'd just like to make a comment, just a thought. It would have been useful to know the numbers involved in the study carried out by Kiddy Carew. Thank you, Jane. Two park trees to be cut down. Two huge trees at risk of collapsing because of decay will be cut down to protect visitors to a city park. The pair of trees in Gallivaut Park in Worcester will be removed at the end of August to stop branches from falling on passers-by. Worcester City Council will be keeping the two tree trunks in place to provide a habitat for wildlife in the park, including insects, birds, bats and fungi, and new trees will be planted in the park later this year. A large cedar tree by the pump house in the park recently lost one of its biggest branches due to heavy waterlogging, a common issue with that species of tree, and the area where the largest remaining branch joins the trunk has decayed. Due to the branch falling off, the tree's crown is not able to provide enough energy to hold the rest of the tree, meaning more branches could fall off. If the branch did fall from the tree, it could potentially take a large part of the trunk with it, the City Council said. A second willow tree by the park's bandstand is at risk of collapse because it has been affected by a fungal pathogen. Nick McGowan, Tree and Conservation Officer for Worcester City Council, said It is always heartbreaking to have to remove well-established and much-loved trees, but sadly these two are now coming to the ends of their lives. The good news is that the trees will continue to make a contribution to the natural habitat in Gallivaut Park because the trunks will be left there to become homes to insects, mosses, birds and other wildlife. Right. In this story, there's a bit of a pun in the headline. Sarah says, I do, in Green Proposal. A Budley golfer teed up the perfect marriage proposal for his partner after she completed a challenging charity game. Sarah Laker-Smith, aged 49, who's the women's team captain of Little Lakes Golf Club, took part in a charity 54-hole challenge on Saturday, August the 3rd, when she was surprised by partner Keith Bradley, aged 39. At the final hole, Keith had prepared a personalised flag with Sarah, will you marry me, written on it, and an arrow pointed down to the hole. An engagement ring was already in the hole and Keith appeared on the green with a red rose proposing on one knee. She said the proposal was totally unexpected. (coughs) On the last hole, it was a complete shock. I dropped my golf club and burst out crying, Sarah said. The game, which Sarah played alongside men's golf captain Andrew Higginson, raised £1,038 for Acorn Children's Hospice. How can you follow that? Romance. Readers react to attacks on police. The next story. Readers reacted strongly to the news that a female police officer suffered a split lip after being attacked during her first night shift in Worcester. We reported how the young officer was kicked in the face following an early morning disorder in the city, but, according to colleagues, later returned to work in good spirits. 
Her injury follows a series of high-profile attacks on police officers, including one on Police Constable Gareth Phillips, 42, from West Midlands Police, who is seriously injured in hospital after being run over by a hijacked police car in Birmingham. Police Constable Phillips was attempting to arrest a suspect at the time in Moseley. Nationally, there has also been a wave of public support for the family of Police Constable Andrew Harper, who was killed while investigating a burglary in Berkshire last week. He died after being dragged underneath a car. Readers have posted concerned comments about the hurt Worcester officer on the Worcester News Facebook page. Ben Rendell said, Not a good start, but unfortunately, the way things are at the moment, we really need to come down hard on these people. Respect to her for carrying on, though. We need more police officers like this. Ian Habits said, Our police need to use more force nowadays. Truncheons and guns should be deployed. Crime is out of control in our country. That person should have been flogged, then put in the public stocks for 24 hours for doing that to an officer of the law. Marco Carolla said, Awful start, but unfortunately it comes with a job. I hope the constable is all right. West Midlands Police released a picture of PC Phillips with his 13-year-old chocolate Labrador, Diesel, who was allowed to visit him in hospital to lift his spirits. Superintendent Dave Twyford, head of Central Motorway Police Group, said, Having spoken to his family and his wife, knowing that people are supporting them locally and across the globe, it makes a huge difference to Gaz and to his family. And now something on new homes in the city. MP Keen on new homes in the city. The MP for Worcester, Robin Walker, <coughs> excuse me, praised a new housing development which will provide more than more affordable homes in the city after visiting the site. Mr Walker visited the Sanctuary Homes site in Cranham Drive, Warnden, where the developer is building 34 houses. The £4.3 million scheme, part-funded by Home England, is being built by Sanctuary's in-house construction team and will include a mix of two three- and four-bedroomed houses, as well as one- and two-bedroomed apartments. Mr Walker was given a tour of the site and met with Sanctuary's representatives to find out more about the homes. A care home was previously located on the site, which was demolished four years ago, with residents being relocated to Sanctuary's purpose-built care complex on Bromyard Road in St John's. Craig Mole, Sanctuary Group Chief executive said providing quality affordable housing for people sits at the heart of sanctuary's social purpose and we're proud to be building this development in Worcester. It was a pleasure to welcome Mr Walker to Cranham Drive and show him how work is progressing to bring these new homes to fruition. Mr Walker said I have been a long-standing supporter of sanctuary in my nine years as Worcester's MP and it was great to see progress getting underway on new affordable housing in the city. It was also positive to see local people being employed to work on their site too. Sanctuary has provided £18,500 through its Community Investment Fund, including a grant to the Construction Skills Centre at Worcester Community Trust, which was used to purchase equipment and cover costs. This has led to Sanctuary employing a site labourer who successfully completed training with Worcester Community Trust. And this is news of a new club which hopes to inspire new friendships. 
a charity which combats social isolation, is hosting regular meetups and are and are inviting new members to join. Make Time Friendship Group are based in Worcestershire sheltered housing Sharman Close, Barbourne. The group meets every Wednesday for events in and around the city. The events are held between 11.30am and 1.30pm. Guests are welcome to come along to share conversation over teas, coffee and light refreshments and take part in talks and days out. The group is a social club which encourages people to get involved in social activities. The charity aims to help people to build self-esteem and make new friendships beyond their usual networks. The bus route from the city centre bus station is either 32, W1, 31A, 31C or 144. For further information, call the founder, Jenny Manchester, on 0779 903 6926. Um, Call for mobile post office. A county councillor is calling for a mobile post office to serve areas in need. Councillor Richard Udall said, Over the past few years, we've lost a lot of post offices in Worcester, Lower Wick, Rose Avenue, London Road, Ronxwood, and now Dines Green. It's become a serious concern, especially for elderly residents who depend on a post office for local services. They now have to travel some long distances just to post a parcel or a letter or to buy some stamps. It's an essential public service. I'm often asked about the closed post office in Dines Green. It's really missed and residents are angry and upset about its closure. The post office do have a solution, something they've used elsewhere. I would like to see them pilot a mobile service for urban and rural areas of Worcestershire. This would not replace a lost post office, but it would still offer a postal service to communities such as Dines Green. The service would need to be regular and at the same time every week. Councillor Udall intends to ask decision-makers at Worcestershire County Council for them to make a formal request to the post office to introduce a a mobile service. Councillor Udall added, There's a demand, it would be used, and it would help a lot of people. We need to find new, modern ways to serve the people of Worcestershire. It could be trialled and, if successful, spread further throughout the county. County Councillor Lucy Hodgson, Cabinet Member with with Responsibilities for Communities, said, I welcome the mobile post office, but not at the detriment to a traditional one. When this service goes in communities, it's always the most vulnerable that suffer, including the elderly. And this is a little article headed Acorns Recycling. Households in Worcestershire have been asked to recycle more to help a children's hospice. Throughout August, every can, aerosol, plastic bottle, pot, tub and tray, not black, that you put into your green bin will help to raise money for Acorns Children's Hospice. Councillor Tony Miller, Worcestershire County Council's Cabinet Member with Responsibility for Environment, said, Getting people to recycle more is extremely important for a number of reasons. It helps to save energy, conserve natural resources and protect the environment. By running the Recycle for Acorns campaign, we're all doing our bit to raise money for a great cause. If the campaign also encourages people to start recycling or to recycle more, then that's a fantastic achievement. Once collected, all the plastic bottles, pots, tubs and trays in Worcestershire are reprocessed by companies in the UK. 
And this is about a festival set to start tomorrow at um, up to upon seven. So there's just one day to go until Sunshine Music Festival kicks off, and the organisers have put together a strong lineup for the up to upon seven event, which this year celebrates its tenth anniversary. This year's title is the Festival for Every Generation, with acts chosen to ensure there's something for everyone. The event will play host to music from Boys Life, Nine Eleven, S Club, The Osmonds, Curiosity Killed the Cat, Claire Sweeney, Terry Hall, The Specials, and Judge Jules and Dave Pierce. Among the headliners on Friday are East Seventeen and Nine Eleven. On Saturday will be Busted, Jedward, and Shawadi Wadi. And on Sunday will be Peter Andre and Scouting for Girls. During the festival, there are also tribute acts, including Stevie Wonder, Oasis, Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, David Bowie and Tom Jones. A number of tickets have been sold off, but according to the website, there are still some tickets left, including family tickets. A festival spokesman recently told us, we've been completely overwhelmed by the fantastic response to this year's lineup and can't wait to make our 10th year the best sunshine yet. The three-day festival will also see fans spot for choice, with DJs, a huge variety of children's entertainment, including Sunshine's very own circus, live band karaoke, and a variety of other acts over the weekend, performing across five stages. Sunshine Music Festival runs from Friday until Sunday, August the 25th. For more details, visit uptonfestival.co.uk. Well, thank you, everyone. That concludes the general news stories for this week. And uh, we're now going to move on to some sport, although there was precious little, to be honest, in the papers. And um, a lot of it was very repetitive. So I think we've all selected one story, which will hopefully give you a flavour of some of the sport that's been going on over the week. And I'm going to begin with a netball story, because you may know by now it's one of my favourite sports. Anyway, this is a headline. Stars in South Africa ace retires from playing netball. Retiring Seven Stars shooter Marika Holtzhausen says she has mixed feelings after calling time on her stellar playing career, writes Sophie Mason. The South Africa international played for Stars for two seasons, captaining the University of Worcester franchise last term. But the 32-year-old, who's won more than 100 caps for her country, admitted she had made her mind up over retiring before the end of the Super League campaign. I remember so clearly pulling those dresses over my head for the final time, Holtz has and said. I think it was just a whole rush of emotions, but all those emotions mean it really was a very special time in my life. Being part of Stars has been a great highlight in my career. The Stars family welcomed me with open arms and it became my home away from home. Holthausen competed for South Africa in the Commonwealth Games in 2010, 2014 and 2018 and the Netball World Cup in 2011, 2015 and 2019. She also captained her national side from 2013 to 2016. I have quite mixed feelings, to be honest, said Holthausen on her retirement call. Although I have a real peace in my heart about my decision, it doesn't make it easy to say goodbye to such a big part of my life. I think every athlete gets to a point in their career where it feels right to let go and move on. It just feels right to start focusing on other things in my life. And we wish her well. Tough decision. (laughs) 
Uh, and this is a story about two university students who enjoy a tournament. Two University of Worcester students were honoured to play for England in the Physical Disability Cricket World Series in Worcestershire. Will Flynn and James Nordin were involved with the national squad, who lost by 36 runs in the trophy final at Worcester's Blackfinch New Road. Flynn, who's 19, said, Playing in the World Series against four other fantastic cricketing nations was just an absolute honour. I wouldn't change it for the world. Growing up as a kid, you always want to wear the England badge, and to do it in front of your home crowd is just truly amazing. I'm playing with 15 guys, and we're all in this together, so there's a real team spirit. James Nordin said, It's an opportunity I also thought I was never going to get with the condition I have, so to go out there and play for England is everything I've ever dreamed of. I'm so proud and so fortunate to have had this opportunity. In the final, India's 180-7 ultimately proved too steep for Ian Nairn's side, who finished on 144-9. England booked their place after beating Afghanistan by 10 runs in a tense morning semi-final. Skipper Nairn said, We've given it everything we had. We're a young team with two teenagers in our 11 and three in the squad. India are adults. They're playing televised cricket over there, some of them. So to come into an environment like this is more normal. For our kids, we're playing club cricket. Some of them are playing on village greens on a Saturday. We have some very special human beings in this team. And a little more cricket. Gidman, a great win from nowhere. First team coach Alex Gidman praised a great win from nowhere after Worcestershire Rapids stunned Durham in the Vitality Blast on Thursday night. That's a week ago. Rapids managed to defend a total of 117 for 7 on a slow wicket, despite Durham reaching 79 for none in the 12th over at the Emirates Riverside. Three wickets in six balls opened the door for Wayne Parnell, Dylan Pennington and Pat Brown to turn the screw in the death overs as the home side closed on 114 for 6. It was a tough wicket. And had to hang in the game for, and we had to hang in the game for as long as possible, which is a skill of ours. And then finished it off with some quality bowling at the very end. Gidman said, "It was one of those games where it looked like it was out of our hands, and then from nowhere we clutched a win. So an amazing result. Credit to the lads for hanging in there and getting it to that point, because it did look at one stage as if the game was going to be finished in 13 or 14 overs." We showed great spirit and determination just to keep in the game. And this is business as usual. Solomons expects head coach to stay at Warriors despite being linked with a move away from six ways. Head coach Rory Duncan is expected to see out the final year of his contract at Worcester Warriors despite having his head turned by a possible return to South Africa. Director of Rugby, Alan Solomons, insisted Duncan was contracted until the end of the season and had been working his socks off at Warriors in preparations for the upcoming campaign. Duncan's six-ways future was thrown into uncertainty when it emerged that he was one of four candidates interviewed for the head coach vacancy at Southern Kings. Warriors then released a statement saying, they do not envisage Duncan, who joined from Cheetahs last year, being part of their long-term plan. Although Duncan has since pulled out of the running for the King's job, Warriors have yet to make a further comment on the 42-year-old situation.
but the South African was pictured in Warriors team photo for the new season yesterday and Solomon stressed that there was a real nice togetherness about the club. Rory is here and has been here right through pre-season, Solomon said. He's contracted until the end of the season, so it's business as usual. He's working his socks off, like everyone else, to ensure that we have the best season we can. But Solomon's was reluctant to answer any more questions on the matter. I can't take it further than what I've said, said Solomon's, who recently penned a new deal that expires in summer of 2022. Rory is contracted or contracted. He's here and is working very hard. We're all determined, Rory included, to do as well as we can this season. There were a number of changes on and off field last summer with Duncan and attack coach Neil Doak, replacing Carl Hogg and Sam Vesti, respectively. Solomon's coaching team also comprises defence coach Omar Munamin and forwards coach Mefin Davies, The whole club is working like crazy for us to have a good season, Solomon's added. The club is not just about the team or the rugby department. It's about the owners, Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham, down to everyone else. There's a really nice togetherness about the club. Colin and Jason have done a great job in bringing in everyone and Peter Kelly, who is the operations developer. And Warriors achieved a club record equaling nine top-flight wins and reached the knockout stages of the Premiership Cup and European Challenge Cup in Duncan's first season at Six Ways. Fly half Jono Lance said he'd been impressed by Duncan and the squad had been unaffected by speculation over his future. There's been stuff going round in the media But for us, Rory has been amazing with everything he works on in training, Lance said. We've been cracking on. The first four to six weeks of pre-season was about building that fitness and strength. But now the rugby side is getting more intense. All the coaches have been a massive part for us over the past week and a half, and that's only going to continue to grow. It's been business as usual for all of the players. Asked whether he would be encouraging Duncan to stay at Warriors beyond next season, Lance said, I enjoy Rory. I think he's a good young coach. But for us, there's a lot more to worry about than all that sort of stuff, as we've got to concentrate on getting better as a team and attack each day. Thank you, Jane. Well, that concludes the sport. And I am now going to read out the birthdays. Uh, There are two for this week. We'd all like to wish Gabrielle Cullen a happy birthday for the 26th of August and Robert Bell a happy birthday on the 29th of August. We hope you both have super days and celebrate in style. And you will also need the sunset and sunrise times. Uh, Today the sun rose at 6.03 in the morning and it's set at 19 minutes past 8 this evening. And before we have the thought for the day, I did see this in today's paper, which I thought was worth sharing with you. So cast your mind, it's August the 22nd. And back in 1485, the Battle of Bosworth Field was fought in Leicestershire and Richard III was butchered as he vainly tried to reach the usurper Henry Tudor. Apparently, he was the third King Richard to die by violent means, and cautious monarchs have avoided the name ever since. I didn't know that. So there you go. And one more date to share with you, which also happened today, which is very relevant, because, of course, we live in Worcester. 
the civil war in England began between the supporters of Charles I and of Parliament. So there you go. Right, Phil, if you'd like to read the thought for the day. (coughs) Excuse me, I will. Um, This is from Mark 9, verses 36 and 37. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this week's recording. Uh, Just to remind you that if you would like to listen to the obituaries, they will follow on after the music. I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Catherine, Phil and Jane, for their efforts and the production team of one, which is Duncan, (laughs) doing both the engineering work and the copying and admin. Carol, our usual um, person who does all of that, is on holiday. So I hope you're having a wonderful time, Carol. So it's goodbye from me, Pippa Curtis, from Catherine, Phil and Jane. Goodbye. And Duncan's waving from the window. Have a wonderful bank holiday weekend and see you in a month's time. Bye-bye. Elizabeth Agnes Perks, known as Betty, died peacefully on August 3rd, 2019, aged 87. Her funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, August 30th at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, donations in lieu for Lillian Faithful Care may be sent to Michael Gamble Funeral Directors, Station House, Station Road, Stroud, GL5 3AR. Eileen Smith died peacefully on August 2nd, 2019. A funeral service was held at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Monday, August 19th at 2.30pm, followed by a burial. Donations in lieu of flowers to the Alzheimer's Society may be sent to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, WR11UW. Merrill Evelyn Stevens passed away peacefully on July the 29th, 2019, aged 88. The funeral service will take place at Hallow Church on Friday, August the 23rd at 11am, followed by an interment in the churchyard. Family flowers only, please, with donations to Dementia UK, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Brom Yard Road, Worcester, WR2, 5BT. Laura Margaret Hughes, nay Moore, passed away peacefully on the 19th of July 2019, aged 81. A private committal at Worcester Crematorium has taken place. Dennis Joseph Morris died peacefully on August 13th, 2019, aged 89. The funeral service at St Matthias Church, Malvernley Link, took place on Thursday, August 22nd at 12.15pm. If desired, donations may be made for to New Hope Worcestershire and sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 141TL. Elsie Ganderton passed away on July the 27th. The funeral was at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, August 19th. Donations, if desired, may be sent by cheque directly to the charity 
Alzheimer's Society. Inquiries to Cooperative Funeral Care, telephone Worcester 22137. Betty Harwood, née Price William. Betty passed away peacefully on the 2nd of August. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 29th of August at 1.45pm. No flowers, please, but donations if desired to World Cancer Research Fund and these may be left at the service or sent to F.W. Spilsbury Funeral Director, 12 Upper Horswell, sorry, that's Upper Housel Road, Malvern, Worcestershire, WR141 TL. Stella Ann Hill, nay Peg, passed away on July the 24th. The funeral service took place uh, today at Worcester Crematorium. Charity donations will go to St Richard's Hospice or sent to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR1, 1UW. Duncan McDermott, known as Mac, passed away on August the 12th. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 23rd of August at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for either St Richard's Hospice or Acorn Children's Hospice may be left in the collection box available at the service. Inquiry to the Cooperative Funeral Care, telephone Worcester 22137. John Joseph Nelson passed away peacefully on June 20th. The funeral service took place at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Tuesday, August 20th, followed by a burial. Further inquiries, please contact AV Band on Worcester 22892. Phyllis James passed away peacefully on July the 21st. Funeral service will be at Crown East Church on Tuesday, August the 27th at 1pm, followed by an internment at the churchyard. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for St. Richard's Hospice, and these may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70 to 70 on Bursley Road, Worcester, WR3, 7EU. Gwyn Daniel, former charge nurse at Powick Hospital, passed away suddenly on August the 3rd, 2019, aged 89 years. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, August the 29th, 2019, at 12.15pm. Family flowers only by request, but donations, if desired, may be sent to the guide dogs, Care of AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR11UW. A donation box will also be available at the service. Family have also requested bright (coughs) colours to be worn. Caroline Jane Thompson, CAS, aged 54, died peacefully at home on Sunday, August 11th, 2019. Funeral at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, August the 28th at 1.45pm. Dress colourfully. Donation, if desired, can go into donations box provided or sent to Malcolm J. Pressland, 19 High Street, Upton-upon-Seven, Worcestershire, WR8OHJ. Anthony John Banner. Passed away peacefully on August the 11th, 2019, aged 72. A funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium. <coughs> it must be catching. 
On Thursday, August the 29th at 3.15pm. Family-owned flowers, please, but donations may be left in the donations box provided for Pancreatic Cancer UK or sent to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, WR11 UW. Michael Terence Bradburn passed away peacefully on 12th August 2019, aged 81 years. Funeral service is to take place at Stourbridge Crematorium Chapel on Tuesday 3rd of September at 11am. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, are being accepted for Cancer Research UK by H. Porter and Sons Funeral Directors, Old Church House, 60 South Road, Stourbridge, DY8 3UJ. Eunice Esther Mason of Drake's Broughton died peacefully on August the 18th, 2019, aged 81 years. At the request of Eunice, there will be no funeral service. Donations, if desired, for the Woodlands Trust and Alzheimer's Society may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10. 1HZ. Nora Elizabeth Saunders passed away peacefully on August the 14th, 2019, aged 96 years. Funeral service is to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, August the 29th at 1pm. Family flowers only, with donations to Cancer Research UK, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester. WR25BT. Dorothy Mary Caldecott, known as Dot, passed away peacefully with her family by her side in the care of Worcestershire Royal Hospital on August 13th, age 72. Funeral service will take place at St Kenelm's Church, Clifton on Teem, on Friday, August 30th at 11.30am, followed by interment in the churchyard. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, will be shared between Macmillan Cancer Support and St Richard's Hospice and may be left in the collection box available at the service. Inquiries to the Cooperative Funeral Care, telephone 01905 22137. Margaret Rose Mann, née Lippitt, passed away peacefully on August the 2nd, aged 81. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, August the 28th at 10am. No flowers by request, please, but donations, if desired, for Midlands Air Ambulance may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Bernice Anne Portman sadly passed away at the age of 79 on August the 8th. Funeral service at St Peter's Church Poick on Wednesday, August the 28th at 11am. Family flowers only, but if desired, donations for Midlands Air Ambulance Charity may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 14, 1TL. Doris Stone passed away peacefully at home on August the 9th, aged 100 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, August the 28th at 3.15pm. 
Family flowers only, please, but donations have desired for Pancreatic Cancer UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Bernard Henry Ewans, Harry, passed away peacefully on August the 14th, aged 89. Funeral service at Old St Martin's Church, Corn Market, Worcester, on Wednesday, August the 28th at 12.30pm, followed by a private family burial. No flowers by request. Donations for Osborne Court Hydrotherapy Pool with cheques payable to Worcestershire HAC NHS Trust, care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St John's, Worcester, WR2 5BT.